Hey guys, before we start, just wanted to give you a heads up. This episode contains information on sexual misconduct and sexual predators as it pertains to minors. So if you have little ones, or if this isn't the type of episode you want to listen to right now, go ahead and skip to our next one or save it for a later date. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. Nope, we don't. (laughs) But that's okay. It's really okay. And I enjoy telling you that, Candice, every week. I enjoy hearing it from you every week. And I hope our listeners enjoy hearing that as well. We still have so much to learn, but we really have a lot to learn from our two guests today on this specific topic. I found myself watching a lot of documentaries last year in 2020 and docu-series that were terrifying um, just as a human and also as a parent. Uh, I watched the R. Kelly docu-series that I think came out uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, The trial's ongoing right now. Um, I watched the Jeffrey Epstein docuseries. Did you watch that one, Kayla? Yes, and it's so hard to watch, but it's so important to watch. I found myself wanting to constantly turn it off, but then I knew that's why I needed to continue to watch it. Yeah, that's how I, the R. Kelly one really, really, really got me, um, including uh, Athlete A. I don't know. Did you watch that one? Mm-mm. It's on Netflix. It is really tough to watch, but also very important. Um, it is about uh, Larry Nasser and the atrocities um, that he committed throughout his life and career, and um, and namely also to uh, the Olympic gymnastics team. Mm. And it's really important to see how uh, just in, in all of these, actually, just the the various uh, the grooming techniques that these that these men use is um chilling and despicable i actually saw katherine marsh and melissa hopmeyer in a, in a news interview and they are prosecutors um who have specifically worked in the realm of sexual assaults and harassment child exploitation domestic and workplace violence and um, they actually have a podcast called No Gray Zone where they explore all of these topics. Um, and so we thought, who better to sit down with and have these really, really tough conversations with? Right. And I think that's so true. These conversations are so tough to have, just like the television is so hard to watch. But it's so important that we're continually aware of what's going on and the changing tactics that these predators have. And that's why I think it's so important for us to watch all the documentaries and to read all the news stories and to talk about these conversations, have these hard discussions, because it is happening constantly all the time. And not only, Candace, did we want to talk about predators, but we wanted to talk about online predators and how statistically during the first nine months of 2020, which we all know we were all ordered to stay at home, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children says it received 30,236 reports of possible online enticement. And that's more than double the annual average and how much this has increased since the coronavirus epidemic and all of the stay-at-home orders. And so we are honored to have Melissa Hopmeyer and Catherine Marsh, co-hosts of the No Gray Zone podcast, prosecutors specializing in child abuse, sexual assault, and cases of domestic violence. They are co-founders of the Right Response Consulting, an agency that provides training in the areas of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and human trafficking. Catherine Marsh is a career prosecutor of 17 years and presently serves as a special counsel assistant chief of the Special Victims Family Violence Unit and Legislation. Melissa Hopmeyer is the current chief of the Special Victims Unit and Family Violence Unit in Prince George's County, as well as one of the legislative and policy chairs. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Melissa Hopmeyer and Catherine Marsh. And we are back with Catherine Marsh and Melissa Hopmeyer. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thrilled to be here. So there, the subject matter of on your podcast um, is very, there's so many things and concerning 
topics that you guys bring up, especially as parents that I think it's important for all of us to listen to. Um, but there are a few topics that really stuck out to Kayla and myself that we really wanted to uh, dive deeper in with you both today. Uh, one of them, we have a lot of young listeners on this podcast, which we are really grateful that they uh, join us on this journey every week. Um, one of the more recent uh, subjects that you guys discussed was consent and, and specifically also leading into teen dating violence. And so first and foremost, you know, how <laughs> I think where do you start with having a conversation about uh, teen dating violence with a teenager? So, you know, I think Catherine and I would probably both say the th same thing is that you can't start when they're a teenager. You have mm -hmm. to start that conversation really, really young. And you don't make it about, you know, dating and you don't make it about sex. You really make it about autonomy. And, and I think what we preach the most and what we think is so important is this idea that it's your body and your choice and that, you know, you get to determine who touches you, whether you like that touch or not. Um, and we really want to start and we preach to, I think, our friends and, and our listeners that you should really start these conversations as young as three. You know, I have a four and a six-year-old and we talk about, you know, what is a good touch? What is a bad touch? Do you know, when, even when I brush my daughter's hair, if she says, ow, I say, do you want me to stop? And she says, yes or no. And I give her that understanding that she gets to say when something um, feels bad and when she wants someone to stop. And I think that when you have that power really, really young, um, as you grow up, it kind of just generates into intimate partnership. Um, and you know that there are boundaries and you, and you talk about those boundaries with your partner. And then you hope that your partner, you know, sticks by it. And if they don't, then you have your voice and you have the, the power within yourself to, to stop it or to call it out if it's bad. And I think the other part is, so Melissa is the mom of two girls and I'm the mom of three boys. And I think so often we make the conversation female heavy, right? We put the expectation on our girls of what they should expect from a relationship or what consent is. And we often don't have that conversation with our young men and we should be. So I talk to my boys about consent. And as Melissa said, it doesn't start as a relationship. It doesn't start as sex. It talks about, do you want to give grandma a hug today? And if not, you know, that's, that's your choice. And when they understand they have that choice and they have that right, they respect that choice in others. And then the other part is just having the conversation about healthy relationships in general. What does a healthy relationship look like? Be that with a parent, with a teacher, with a teammate, before we even get to the intimate partner relationship or teen dating. Because if we can enforce good and healthy relationships at a young age, just respect, kindness, they'll have those expectations and they'll make those demands when they're dating. You know, it's so funny because I was thinking in my head when we, you guys first were starting to answer this question, oh, I'm going to joke about how my daughter's too. And should I start talking to her about it now? And the truth is the answer to that is yes. And I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not going to lie because when doing research for this, I found most of you know, the discussion of the online dating and the predators and all of that um, seem to affect 12 to 15 year old men and women. And so I thought I had a lot of time, but I'm really grateful and happy that we're having this conversation right now because I'm realizing this is a perfect time for me to start. Now, for those who aren't in this primo spot where they've just figured it out a year before they need to start having the conversation and their kids are a little bit older, whether that be, you know, six, seven or, you know, a teen now, and they're thinking, no, I've waited too long. Do you have any advice for them in that regard? Absolutely. And Melissa, you'll jump in with some of your favorites too. But for me, it was books, right? We mm. so often read to our kids books at night anyway, and there's a lot of great books on this. So I love, it's not the stork. That's a great one. It goes through all kinds of issues with regard to consent, sexual abuse. That's really age appropriate for that three to five year age range mm. with regard to how you talk, you know, get help, tell somebody, um, Oh, Melissa, I'm going to get the name wrong. Don't hug Doug. Don't hug Doug. It's my favorite. Don't hug Doug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are books for older, you know, older tweens and, and for parents. Honestly, there is so much information. Amy, Amy from Birds and Bees. I can't remember her last name. We interviewed her a while back, I think in April. 
Um, and she, you know, gives such good information on her website, Birds and Bees, for older parents, um, of parents of older children on how to talk to your kids about, uh, about sex, about healthy relationships. Um, you know, One Love Foundation has amazing content online that's really just kid-friendly from middle schoolers up. Um, and it talks about the 10 healthy signs of, uh, of a healthy relationship and 10 unhealthy signs. And they do it in the context, not of only intimate partner violence. Um, they do it in the context of just friendships. Um, and they're really, um, they really just want people to learn to love better. Um, and so I would just say, reach out, look at those organizations and people. Um, there is so much information. You know, I think the, the thing that Catherine and I realize the most is we know all of these resources because it's something we do on a daily basis. And we just really want to get the information out to the general public because there are so many amazing organizations and authors that are doing some really important work and are, are doing, you know, great things to help our kids learn uh, about consent and to learn about boundaries. And just so we get the book, it's The Birds and Bees and Your Kids by Amy Lang. And it's, and that's designed as a parenting book. So that's not one the kids are going to read. So my oldest is now 12. And one of the scariest thoughts for me was how am I going to talk to him about his changing body and masturbation and what's normal? And it's kind of intimidating as a parent mm -hmm. to think about how do I have this conversation? And Amy has such a great wit about her. So you can go to her website, but her book, it breaks it down. So you're like, you know what? It's just one more conversation with my kids. And if it makes them safe and it makes them healthy, then I got to suck up being uncomfortable because 10 minutes is going to make them safe and healthy. Yeah. It's interesting how um, so many, so many parenting books or, or just conversations about parenting or articles about parenting starts with that fundamental fact that you just need to sit down and have that conversation with your kids. Just sit down and do it. But thank you for acknowledging that it is quite uncomfortable. <laughs> a lot of the conversations you find as a parent. I always wanted to, I have two teenage stepdaughters. And so I, there's been so many moments sitting down with them over the years where I'm like, as uncomfortable as this is for you, let me tell you, this is 20 million times more uncomfortable for me to have this conversation right now. I am so stressed and uncomfortable. So let's just get that elephant out in the room. But it's also, I want to highlight or just maybe get your advice or opinion or perspective of just that it's not a singular conversation as a parent. And it's not one conversation you have when they're three. It's not one conversation you have when they're seven. Do you find it it is best when it's a constant kind of conversation that pops up in as, as they grow. So I find when, when I have my boys and especially individually, cause they are 12, nine and six. So I have different conversations with each of them based on their age, but there's always a time I'm going to have one of them in the car by themselves. And it's kind of that safe place to have the conversation because it's finite. So the kids aren't going, Oh my Lord, I'm going to be sitting down here with my parents forever. Or, you know, it's like a 10 minute ride somewhere. It's 15 minute drive to get somewhere else. It's, it's an easy way to have quick conversation to check in. Oftentimes I'll use what we hear on the news, or if there's a new song that's popular and it mentions something, I'll be like, let's talk about that for a second. Or for my boys, they start school this week. So it was a great way to have a conversation about you're starting school. You're going to have new adults around. You're going to have uh, new kids that you haven't met before. If somebody makes you uncomfortable, you need to tell me. I think it's also important for children to know you're never going to get in trouble for what you come to me about. Mm -hmm. And we know so often grooming behavior or just innate children. Um, own self-esteem or thought processes, they'll get in trouble if something is wrong or bad. And so it's that conversation. Anytime they start something new, it's a great one to say, hey, we're really excited for this new adventure. But should something happen, no, you can always come to me. It's an open door policy. You will never get in trouble for what you tell me, you know, and just there's open doors all the time. It's just, I think we have to recognize to walk through them. For both of you in your experience at, in law, do you feel that you have seen? Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Um, younger people come forward with adults as opposed to coming forward with stories against um, other young people or other teenagers. Do you like, I feel like where I'm going with it is basically is having that conversation that on one hand, yes, if there's ever an adult that makes you uncomfortable, come to me, but how um, for a younger person, how it might be more uncomfortable that they feel like, you know, in reference to like teen dating violence, but what I'd mentioned of just coming to a parent or saying like, Hey, it's another person in my class, or it's my boyfriend or my girlfriend or who, whomever that they are with is hurting me, that that becomes a scarier thing because it would be then kind of like turning on their own. Yeah. I think it is really hard when you have a peer group and, and the, your peer group is kind of how you define yourself, um, you know, as, as a teen, as a young adult, it is really hard for them to come forward. And I, and I think that what we find when we see it is that they, they don't normally come forward telling their parents first. It's normally, you know, they, they'll go to the police. Um, they'll go, uh, to, you know, a trusted school teacher and and talk about the abuse or or the sexual abuse, um, that, that they're either a friend or their intimate partner before they tell their parents. And we, as I know, Catherine will do the same thing where, you know, they're, they've asked us not to tell their parents, you know, what happened. And, and, you know, obviously we abide by that, but they also have to know that, you know, it's a public courtroom and, and we can't prevent somebody, even their parent from being in there. I can have that conversation and say, listen, your daughter, your son really don't want you to hear the, you know, the, the underlying facts of how we got here. You know, I would recommend you not being in there, but ultimately it's, you know, that parent's decision. I think it's really hard. Um, I read, I think last summer, uh, sexual citizens, which is a, it's a case study, um, at NYU about sexual assault on their campus, um, by these two researchers. And, and one of the big underlying issues they talk about is this idea that we have social groups and that when you have to out somebody in your social group, it completely upends you, right? You no longer have those friends. You, you, in an essence are making your friends choose. Is, are they going to believe you? Or are they going to believe the, the individual that you're accusing of sexual assault or physical violence? And I think it really changed my perspective on, you know, why 
young people don't want to report. It's not only that they're ashamed or they're scared. It's also that they may lose their identity. Um, and when you're on co- at college and that's all you have, you know, you, your parents may be far away. Uh, your friends from high school may be far away. It can be really, really difficult. And it's something that we have to really understand as prosecutors, but just as the public in general, you know, how important um, social circles are to people, especially when they're away from family. And Candace, one thing to your point specifically about dating violence with our young people is so often they don't recognize that dating violence is in fact dating violence. When you look at our movies and our TV shows, Oftentimes we put forth ideas in society that this is a sign of romance, like early stalking behavior, you know, coming to where the person's working, texting them a hundred times a day, leaving notes in their locker when they're supposed to be somewhere else. Things like that, that are early warning signs we've often romanticized in our culture. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes our young people don't recognize isolating or controlling behavior because they think it's this person loves me so much. Look at this. They're texting me again, or they want to know who I'm with, or they've driven by my house. And I mean, I think we can all think of a million movies, right? Where, you know, that's how the hero or the heroine is showing that they love somebody, you know, standing outside the window with a boom box, uh, driving past the house three or four times where the friends are looking out the window, giggling as the person's driving by. And I think that's making disadvantages for our young people because they're not recognizing early warning signs as actual dating violence and instead are conflating it with love. So Catherine, that's such a good point. Let's go through then what are the signs of dating violence so that we can just spell it out for our listeners in case they're wondering what they are. So very rarely, does dating violence start with physical violence? I mean, you normally work your way up to that. We often start with controlling behavior, isolating behavior. So those can be things as simple as, why are you spending time with your friends? I want you to spend all your time Mm -hmm. with me. I miss you so much. Why can't you be here? We see in our teen dating, especially a huge increase in the last five to 10 years in digital abuse. And that's the constant checking up on social media, the constant texting, um, you know, where are you now, the geolocation they have on everything. Those kinds of things are often early indications of the dating violence relationship because you got to get the person to just be around you or rely on you for almost everything before you take it to different levels. And then, Melissa, I don't know if you want to jump in with some of the other signs. Yeah, I mean, I think another one that we see often is like an accelerated pace of a relationship. You know, you meet that person and then you're inseparable and you're calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend when you haven't even gone on, you know, more than one date. Um, You know, healthy relationships are supposed to have a slow and steady pace as you get to know each other and and, um, as the relationship develops. Um, Unhealthy relationships move extremely fast. You know, there's often... Um, you know, threats against themselves. They may not start with threats against you. They'll start saying, you know, if you don't show up, I, you know, I, I might cut myself or I might hurt myself. Right. Um, there may be small acts of belittling um, where they say, you know, you're only wanting to go out with your friends so that you can meet other guys or other girls or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and those are just things to look out for. Again, like Catherine said, there are things that people might think, oh, they just really, really like me when it's really just a way of, of getting control of and maintaining the power in that relationship, which starts the the power and control dynamic that you see so often in intimate partner uh, violence. Yeah, I I feel exactly what you're saying, how social media is just take, had this whole, a whole other level of control now and, and just monitoring, which is, Hmm. which is terrifying. And also just like what people do and what kids do and they share their snap geos or I I don't know the lingo because I'm not on most of these things, but I know how revealing a lot of the information that gets put online, how revealing it is and how easy it is just to constantly track each other. If there is someone listening who is listening to everything that you just said and went, wow, some of these things ring familiar to me. What would you say should always be the next step? Or if they're like in saying, well, no, but that's probably not me. Is there anything that you've told young people that you've worked with on kind of shining light on what they're maybe trying to ignore? So I think 
what I would say is make a plan to leave. Um, and I know some of them may not be living together. And so when I say make a plan to leave, I mean, I mean, ending the relationship and, and I say make a plan because so the most dangerous time for anybody in a domestic violence relationship is when they leave. And even that, that is true. Even if the person has never lifted a finger to hit you before, um, but you're in this cycle of abuse, whether it's emotional or mental abuse. And when I say, make a plan. I say, talk to friends, tell them what's going on. Tell them, you know, why you're, why you want to leave and then find a safe place to go for a few days. Even if it's, you're just breaking up with them and they don't live with you, but they obviously know where you live. So go Mm -hmm. and stay with a family member or a friend that they don't know. Um, You may have to block them on social media, on your phone. You may have to get new phone numbers. You know, these are things you may have to do. Um, You know, there is safety planning that can be done. The the National uh, Network for Domestic Violence helps with safety planning. Um, and, and they can help with that, but you can go online and there's a lot of different websites that will help with safety planning. Um, but make a plan to leave is what I think I would say. I don't know, Catherine, if you want to add anything to that. No, I absolutely agree when we're talking about some of our older teens and when we're talking about our younger teens, because, you know, the, the statistics on dating violence are shocking when we look at that. They have studies now that show it's starting to be prevalent as young as age 11. And so we're obviously not going to be sitting here going that our young preteens and teens should be leaving their home or things like that. But the first thing that we tell everybody is trust your gut. So if somebody's listening and they're going, man, I'm starting to have these warning signs, trust your gut. It's telling you something. If you recognize these in your relationship, take them as signs. Maybe you want to document it going, okay, was that something? Were they disrespecting me? Were they showing they weren't trusting me? Were they criticizing me for hanging out with my friends? Did they call every half hour? And if you're making that list and you're going, wow, we're ticking off all of these signs of an unhealthy relationship, then recognize it's an unhealthy relationship and it needs to end. And that's going to be the first part. And then however you need to end it, that's safe for you is what you need to do. So for our younger teens, oftentimes it can just be breaking up. And you may still, as Melissa said, the same for our older teens and that you may still have to block them on social media because, you know, who knows what they might say, what they might share, different things like that. But don't be afraid to end it. The other part, and we hope all of our young people get this, is statistically across the country right now for intimate partner violence, it takes seven times before a survivor actually leaves an abuser. We don't want that to be seven times. We want this to be Our young people are getting it much better than my generation and they get it sooner and they recognize it sooner and they leave sooner. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. I was in an abusive relationship in my 20s and I remember leaving and just the campaign that he went around to a lot of our mutual friends and just being told, but he just loves you. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, I don't think that that's what that looks like. It's just wild, you know, how all of that kind of coming together, how um, how easy you can find yourself being persuaded to stay, obviously, by your own kind of broken sense of self, but then just as easily by like surrounding people who um, are kind of charmed by the abuser as well. And that's a hundred percent true. And what we encourage all friends to do, listen to your friend. If they're coming to you to say, I don't feel right about this, or I'm going to leave, or there's something wrong. Your job as a friend is to support them, not to convince them to take a different action, Your job is to support them. And if they're coming to you with a valid concern, you just need to listen. I mean, a lot of these abusers are master manipulators and they can appear extremely charming and smart uh, right off the bat. Um, And so that's probably the only thing that friends see. um, And that, that makes it difficult, I think, sometimes for friends when they when they see only this wonderful personality, but I agree with Catherine, you just need to trust and and back up your friends. That's what we have friends for is to be, you know, to kind of support us. That's so true. That is what we have friends for. And speaking of master manipulators, we also really want to discuss with you guys online predators because it has significantly increased since the pandemic and since we've all had to since we were all ordered to shelter in place um it's something that we've all talked about before we've all known about it but we've collectively turned to the internet now more than ever not just for entertainment but for our news updates and really important information we need and unfortunately our kids are turning to the internet for online schooling so it feels like they're stuck at home, they're school, they're at school, they're bored on their computers. And the sad reality is pandemic shutdowns have equaled more children being sexually exploited online. So I, this is such a massive topic. Um, there's so much we can talk about, but I want to start with how can we as friends, parents, caregiver, caregivers a- actively help our children avoid this? So starts with a conversation again. Okay. I, I, we're going to say that every single thing. Okay. You need to, 
And what I say is you've got to be honest with your kids. Be honest. Kids have a pretty good BS meter generally, right? Mm. And so, I mean, my children have probably heard more about child exploitation cases than most kids should their their age, especially when <laughs> I was having to work from home and they were having you know, school at home. They one can of the teachers, statistics for you. Yeah, <laughs> one of the teachers sent a text saying the whole class can hear what you're talking about because your kid took his headphones off. And I'm like, we're going to take care of that right now. Just give me a second. Oh my um, so, you know, we have those issues, but I, I had the conversations with them about there will always be people who are going to try to take advantage of you. And you are your best weapon and self-defense against that. And so I talked to them about some of those signs. I also have a strict rule and I know not all parents want to do this, but again, this is what I do every single day. So my kids are not allowed to have any friends on any online gaming that they don't personally know. And the same with any chat thing that they do. And we've had to break it down. Of It can't be a friend of a friend. It can't be a cousin of a friend. You have to personally know them. And we as parents have to understand our jobs to be the parent, right? And sometimes that's to be the bad guy. It's not to be the friend. And we're going to have to enforce these rules. We would not let our children walk out of the front door and get into the vehicle of somebody we don't know at a young age. So we have to enforce the same rules online. We are not going to let them walk through onto a web page and make contact with somebody we don't know. And so I do sit down with my kids and every week or so we go through who are your friends lists. And if it's a new one, okay, how do you know this person? And we break it down. And my oldest, he'd tell you he's violated the rule once or twice and he lost his electronics for Mm -hmm. three weeks or a month. And, you know, he figures out, oh, wait, mom's serious about this. But I have that conversation again. There's always going to be somebody who's going to try to take advantage of you. And so be your own weapon, be your own self-defense. And then Melissa, I know you have some more you do with your girls too. Yeah. I mean, I think we, you really have to monitor what your kids are doing online. Um, and I know it's hard because we're all working online. They're at school online. You know, sometimes you just need a break. Um, but it's so important to make sure that you know what websites they're going on to, who they're talking to. And, and I have the same rule. They're not I mean, my kids are really, really young, so they don't do gaming, but they do have, you know, I think Facebook kids messenger. And I I make sure that I have all approval of whoever, you know, asked to be their friend on messenger. And so I have to approve it before they can go. And they're only friends with family members and their close friends that are in the neighborhood. Um, And and it's really, you know, I've, I've had a few times where they'll be watching, you know, kids YouTube and I can hear at the corner, I was like, what are you? what, what did you just turn on? You know, like something slipped through the, the filter that's supposed to be on kids YouTube. And I'm like, you can't watch that video. And they'll say, why it has inappropriate language, stuff that you're not supposed to talk, you know, we'll talk about it. And, you know, I think something I learned from my parents is just saying no, because I'm the parent, isn't really a useful thing to do. Sitting down and explaining to the kids, no matter how, you know, they have to be young enough, old enough to understand, but I'll sit down with my four-year-old and in a language she understands say, you know, that is something that could hurt kids if you listen to it. And so we don't want to listen to things that that could hurt you. Um, So we're going to just pick another video and then she'll pick another video. And, you know, two seconds later, she'll get over the fact that I wouldn't let her watch the weird video, (laughs) you know, inappropriate language on it. Um, but I think that that's really important to do. And it is exhausting for parents, I know, because, you know, we already have to make sure they're doing their homework online and we have to work. Uh, but it is so important because you're right, Kayla, there are so many predators and they are taking advantage of the fact that we have to use the internet kind of to communicate, to live our lives right now. Um, and, and they don't take a break, unfortunately. Um, so if they're not going to take a break, we as parents can't take a break. And um, we, we just need to make sure that we're monitoring them um, and we're making sure that they're not going and talking to people they don't know. So I'm just going to play dumb and throw some questions your way, which I'm sure you guys may have heard or maybe not. But what if it's, well, look, there's all these other big Instagrammers that are teenagers and on TikTok, and this is just what the kids do. So what's the harm with them having a bunch of people follow them that they don't know? Or, you know, that's actually how, 
you know, kids are connecting these days because they're all friends of friends on these social media platforms. It's how they socialize. So first, as Melissa said, you know, it's breaking down what the actual harms are. And I'll say just because we like books for kids, especially when they're younger, one that's a great one is Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And they have Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior. And that's by Kristen Jensen. And it breaks down you know, people will try to send you pornography or ask for pictures for you to send. So those are great ones to have kind of that opening conversation. But the other thing is half the time I'm realistic with them. Okay. So for my six-year-old, you know, Ryan's world, guess what? He's got a ton of followers, but you know what? He's also got a multimedia company behind him. That's checking those messages. That's doing all of that. He's not having the personal communication back and forth himself. There is a difference between somebody who is a public figure and what they have through social media versus somebody who's a private individual and what they get back and forth. So you can't can't do that comparison. It's not apples to apples. And so sometimes I will break it down of going, you know what, if you have a multimedia company behind you and you've got an assistant who's going to check them all, I'll change the rules a little bit. But (laughs) until then, this is where we are. And there are so many uh, just and there's so many ways to fake an online presence as well. Um, Is that something that you both come across a lot, um, especially for survivors who were like, well, I thought this person was, you know, X, Y and Z and super successful. Or I thought that they were my own age. Like there's a million ways now to really fabricate who you are online while you're grooming, um, while these like young kids are being groomed. Correct. hundred percent. First, I want to say multiple accounts for both our children who end up as victims and for abusers. So as parents, don't think that your kid's account that they show you is the only account that they have. Make sure you're double checking because kids are really smart online and they can be like, this is my parents' safe account. And then this is my one Finsta I really talk to my is friends what they on. call it. The <laughs> Finsta. Exactly, exactly. You know, in a lot of the cases where we've had that have been massive child exploitation cases. So where we end up with dozens of victims or hundreds of victims by the same person, they have hundreds of online profiles. And And what does that look like when you say victim? Like what does, what do they have? What does it look like? What is the damage that they have done essentially? So one that we have is, and it actually came to us, which started as a young girl who was 12 who had suicidal ideation because of she had started and actually, you know, it was kick or Snapchat. I don't even remember which off the top of my head messaging back and forth with what she thought was a young boy who was 14. And this individual had convinced her to send a picture of herself naked. And he then said, guess what? If you don't send me another one, I'm going to send this to your sister. And then if you don't send me another one, I'm going to send it to your parents. And then pretty soon he was demanding certain sexual acts that she had to perform on video for him um, and that she would send him. And it was all a form of sex torsion. So he's extorting her for more sexual images. And again, we got this because this poor 12-year-old girl attempted suicide because she didn't know how to get out of this cycle. When the investigation went on, we found that there were over 20 girls that he had similar conversations going with. He adapted different profiles based on what he thought would catch a particular victim's interest. Our average online predator has most of the time an advanced degree or at least a college degree. They're extremely smart. They're extremely savvy. They know online Um, abbreviations and chat better than any of us will. They are brilliant and they are master manipulators and they're going to look for any in that they can with our young people. So sometimes it may be going to a group that's about soccer. If they think, hey, I can talk about soccer and really develop this relationship. Maybe it's one that's, you know, kids of divorced parents where they think, aha, I can get somebody to trust me through this who's going through a hard time right now but they're brilliant and they're going to look for whatever way they can establish first, just a way that the young person trusts them enough to send something. And then from there, it just goes on and on and on. And as sad as this was for this 12 year old girl, we, she is at least able to get help. 
her case uncovered dozens and dozens of more. And it stopped before she walked out the door and got into the car with somebody else, which does too happen with our online predators. And I think it's also, I mean, it obviously happens a lot with our, like with underage kids, but this type of, you know, exploitation happens with young adults as well. Uh, We've had cases where there's been, you know, an individual who's, who's posing as a a college age student who is not a college age student. And then, you know, meeting young freshmen, young sophomores who are just new to the area, new to campus, and then drugging and sexually assaulting them. Um, And, and those individuals also have multiple accounts where they have, you know, different names using the same photographs, but different names, you know, saying, you know, I'm a a business major, or I'm, you know, a just recent graduate, or, you know, I'm someone who does promoting on campus. Um, And it really creates this sense of, you know, when, when you're on a college campus, you think, oh, I kind of know them, right? They go to my school, like they're, they should be somebody that I can trust, that I can meet up with and, and be safe. You know, the online persona that you can build because it's not necessarily meeting in person all of the time um, really helps to, to build that exploitation. And, you know, we, I have a case right now that's pending that has, you know, I think we've lost count of the number of, of victims, honestly. There's, been, there's just so many victims that, you know, were exploited by this individual who just used the internet, used, you know, his non-connection to this university as a means to manipulate and, and get women to, to meet up with him where he could then drug them and sexually assault them. It's so fascinating hearing the details of the cases. Um, Thank you guys for sharing that with us, because I think the best way to learn is from other people's uh, mistakes or experiences. Have there been any other, in your years of experience, have there been any other cases that have really stuck with you that you feel like individuals can really learn from? Oh, there's so many. I know, I'm sure. Um, you know, for me, when I'm looking at our young people, and, and I'm going to say there's two, I'm going to deal one with an online situation and then one that was a teen dating violence. And one for me was just another person who, and in this case, it was somebody that she knew it was. So she was a freshman and he was a sophomore and she thought that they were in a relationship. So it was regular sexting going back and forth. And she sent him pictures. Well, he sent them to somebody else who then texted her. And again, it's that kind of sextortion behavior that goes on, which actually developed into a trafficking situation where he would control her. He would tell her when she needed to come out of the house, that there would be a car waiting at the end of the driveway. And a guy would pick her up, take her to a parking lot not too far from her house, have sex with her, drop her back off. A week or two later, he would text again, there's a different person who's there. And this developed into this trafficking situation. And it comes out of, she was afraid to tell her parents that she had violated the rule and sent pictures that she had violated the rules by having conversations. And that fear kept her from reaching out. And when we got into that case, we found he'd been convicted in another state of similar stuff. And shockingly enough, this one's an older one. And I just found out that he's now charged. He spent five years in prison on parts of things before he's paroled. And he's just charged again, uh, luckily in some ways, because he's older, not as young. But in that way, it's where her parents didn't know to have the conversation with her first about even if you violate a rule, let us know or she didn't know I should tell them they're not going to hate me. And, and I kind of reference it back when I talk to parents now, maybe I'll date myself, but you know, we had kind of those mad contracts that we had when we were younger, you know, when we got our license that look, okay, mom, dad, if I'm at a party and I get drunk, I promise I will call you to pick me up and you are not allowed to yell at me. And you are not allowed to get me in trouble if I call for help. And it's almost that we need to do that exact same thing with our young people. If you violate a rule, if you do something that you're not supposed to, but it gets in over your head, you've got to let us know. We are not going to, you know, come down on you. We're not going to do this. It's better for us to know and stop something worse from happening. And then another one is actually a young man who was 
17 and he was in an intimate partner violence relationship with an older man who was in his early 20s. And for our survivor, it was his first real uh, relationship where he was his authentic self, where he was, you know, able to be with somebody that he was sexually attracted to in a homosexual nature. And he was following all the cues from this older guy. This, again, as I said, for our survivor, it was his first relationship. And he kind of thought, you know, hey, this controlling behavior, this is, I guess, just how these relationships go. Or these threats to out me to friends, that's just because he doesn't want to lose me to somebody else. And it became this really bad and dangerous relationship where he was violated in several ways. One, uh, physically with physical abuse. Another, through having intimate videos of them that his abuser posted on Pornhub and would make money off of child pornography. Uh, and then also having to submit to sexual acts with his partner that he didn't want to at the time. This is one where he finally was saying, I can't handle it anymore. And the guy kept calling him, telling him, you know, you need to come over now. And he said, this is the last you'll ever hear from me. I'm going to go kill myself. And this one, it was one of those things where, quite frankly, the abuser is who saved his life because he called his mom and said, you need to get home. He's saying he's going to do this. Luckily, he was fine. Uh, mom was there and he was able to say, this is why I felt this way and was able to provide all of this information. With regard to the relationship, we were able to get the videos down from Pornhub. We were able to get him into the right support groups and counseling and then uh, handle the abuser through the criminal law. But I learned through that one a lot that our young men have a much harder time coming forward a lot of times than our young women do. And, and we need to be a little more sensitive when we talk to teens in general to make sure we're including our, our young men and the fact that they can be survivors as well. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best Best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What are the laws of of sending a nude photo. I mean, obviously it changes if you are underage versus if you are overage, but what are the laws? So anyone who's maybe under 18 listening knows exactly what they're doing and whoever is over 18 knows the position that they're putting themselves in potentially. Yeah. So for anyone under the age of 18, either whether you send an image or a video or you're asked to send an image or video, Sending that image is is distribution uh, and potentially manufacturing, if you took it, um, of child pornography. The federal laws regarding child pornography are pretty broad in the sense of um, they don't require uh, arousal. They don't require you know individuals to be touching themselves. It can be child erotica or it can be child pornography under the statute. And, and you know 
you can be charged yourself even as a minor for distributing or spending or manufacturing it. Um, in terms of over the age of 18, there are some new federal sextortion statutes that allow the U.S. attorney's offices around the country to prosecute cases where an image may have been sent um, consensually and the person may have been of age, but then it's being used against them um, after a relationship ends or, or to manipulate the person in, in, the, um, in the relationship. I will say that every state also has its own laws with regards to both child pornography and sextortion. And so you want to check your local laws because, for example, in Maryland, um, you know, we, we just had an issue in our legislature where we were trying to change the ability of the, the government to be able to charge children if they send, Im, um, send images to each other. Because unfortunately, what we know is that kids are engaging in, you know, consensual um, exchange of images. We obviously want to tell them not to do that because you don't know what's going to end up on the Internet. And once it's on the Internet, it's there forever. Uh, but we also don't want to criminalize that behavior, right? That's that is stuff they're engaging in. We're not trying to make uh, a you know a sixteen year old who's sending his sixteen year old boyfriend or girlfriend an image a sex offender because that's not what the sex offender registry is there for. It's there to identify predators. Um, but we want to make sure that um, it's also not being done in a predatory way. So we have to distinguish between the person who's exchanging consensual photographs and the person who's you know, manipulating and sextorting, uh, you know, a, a person into sending images. And so I would just say, know that federally you may be committing a crime, but also even if you're clear in the federal realm, you want to check your state laws because state laws will differ and you may be committing um, a state crime. What's so hard about all of this is the sheer fact that most teens are doing this. This isn't something that, I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm not a mom to a teenager. I don't know the exact statistics, but almost all teenagers do this right now. And I, so I, to your point, Melissa, um, that you're trying to not make them sexual predators, but the truth is, is most people do it. And this is something as simple as sliding into the DMs, which is a term that they use or, you know, any sort of, it just to me is so crazy that most teens do this. So how, again, do we make sure that they don't do this? Because this is something that is, I mean, I guess, do we just as parents and it sounds like there's a bit of learning to accept it. I don't know. This is really an interesting form. This conversation has taken an interesting turn for me because it sounds almost like Melissa, you're saying there is a form of acceptance on our level. I don't want to say that we accept it um, because I don't, I think we should always be telling our teens not to do it um, and, and why it's, it can be so damaging. But I, I do think that what we really need to recognize is that um, if we're not, you know, there's a, there's an entire generation of kids who grew up only with the internet within, you know, who have, who have only known Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat. Um, and that's how they communicate. That's how they seek acceptance, you know, and, and we need to figure out a way to, you know, to, uh, get them to understand the damage that can be done by posting these images. Um, and I don't know that I have the answer, but Catherine does. Um, I think, honestly, uh, <laughs> sorry if acceptance isn't the right word, but I think you understand yeah. what I'm trying to say in that form. I, you know, it's just, we have to have these conversations, um, with our kids, with each other, um, as a society of, you know, how can we, without criminalizing all of this behavior, tell them that it's not acceptable. Um, and, and I think it really is conversations. It's education. You know, it is making it not so taboo to talk about because it is, these mm. conversations are so hard to have. Um, and, and I think it's because as a society, we're still so like from the Puritans, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't gotten past that, that we know everyone is doing it in their home. So why don't we talk about it so that we can figure out how to solve some of these problems so that it's not exploitive because, you know, it's not something that is my cup of tea, but I think you can exchange, you know, adults can exchange photographs in a healthy way in a relationship um, that shouldn't be criminalized, that should be okay for them to do. It's when the person takes that next step to use it as manipulation um, that we really need to regulate. Um, and so I think it's an ongoing conversation. I don't know if Catherine has any better ideas than I do. Well, and I, I would just reference parents or refer young people to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They have an entire training program called NetSmarts, and you can just go to netsmarts with a Z.org. 
and they've got great online training and cell phone training for kids and parents of all ages. Because as, as Melissa was saying, not all harmful or bad behavior needs to be criminalized, but it does all deserve that conversation. And it deserves our kids deserve us being honest about it. So when I talk to middle schools and high schools, I let them know, you know, when Melissa says it gets on the internet, it doesn't just get on the internet. I've had more cases where those images end up on paid child pornography sites all over this world. And so our kids deserve that honest answer because how are they supposed to make a choice about their body and what they put out there if they don't know what the actual ramifications are? And most of the time, if we can have the honest conversation, if we can highlight the actual risks, I, I think we've all seen in the news just in the last year or two, how many times somebody posted something, tweeted something when they were middle school and high school. And guess what? It's now being used by a college admission program. And hey, you need to understand this could really have an impact on your future and your goals, not just as some creepy old person or young person going to look at it later but could really impact where you go in your future. And so again, it's just, we, we just need to be honest with our kids about the potential outcomes of this. And hopefully when we do that, they'll make the right healthy choice. Catherine, Melissa, thank you guys so much for joining us today and, and having um, these tough conversations. Uh, we, we know that you guys do it every day. We appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, we were really looking forward to getting the answers to our questions today. Where can our listeners follow you on social media? So you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at No Gray Zone RRC and on Facebook at No Gray Zone. Um, and, you know, you can just kind of Google. I think our website is rightresponseconsulting.com. Is that right, Catherine? That is correct. <laughs> and then we, the weekly podcast is No Gray Zone. And every week we discuss issues related to consent, sexual assault, child abuse and exploitation intimate partner violence and human trafficking. And we bring in just some amazing experts in these fields to, to just hopefully have the conversation. If we have the conversation, we can fix the problems. And if anyone's listening and they either work in a school program or their own office program and want to have um, you guys speak with them, uh, Right Response Consulting is where they would go to get more questions answered. Absolutely. They can send us an email right from the website. Thank you guys so much for teaching us how to have these conversations and um, to continue the conversation. We're so excited to sit down with you today and we just really appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. So Candace, after our conversation with them, I understand that we need to sit down and have a conversation with our kids. I'm going to be really honest with you. It's still something that I... I'm going to have a hard time doing. I can already tell I'm going to be embarrassed. It's going to be difficult. And I still am going to have to do more research to figure out how exactly I'm going to feel comfortable having a conversation with my daughter. It's just a difficult thing to do no matter what. And I love how they both openly <laughs> said that and proclaimed that it's, it's going to be awkward no matter how you do it. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think it looks different at every age. You know, right. obviously when kids are little, I think, yeah, story time. If you read to your children often, that's usually a nice like bonding moment where I feel like kids are a little bit more talkative about the day. They're not as distracted. They're kind of winding down. Um, and then I think I loved Catherine's advice. And I think it's also very true. Um, you know, as kids grow into becoming adolescents, that it really is those times driving in a car together. I love that I know too. it sounds so <laughs> silly, but it's true. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not like the, you know, feeling stifled by you're both sitting in a room and are you ever going to escape this uncomfortable moment? Like, you know, that there's a beginning, a middle and an end to the conversation because you will eventually get out of the car. Um, <laughs> unless you start this conversation on like an eight hour road trip, but that would just be <laughs> a really bold parenting decision. <laughs> But they're tough. They're tough. These are all really tough conversations. And um, it doesn't, I don't think it gets easier. And But I think that that's, you know, kind of part of what we sign up for in parenting is it's, you know, it's 
incredible and beautiful and joyful. And it's also really difficult, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. infants, you're just really sleep deprived, you know, in the best of circumstances. (laughs) And when they're adolescents, you're just having to have these really tough conversations even in the best of circumstances. Mm-hmm. I also want to say for our listeners who aren't parents, if this these are conversations you can have with your friends, if you see something happening. I mean, I think it's really important to understand that it's not just the job of a quote unquote parent, but if it's someone that you love, that you think is in a unhealthy relationship, it's important to say something. And if it's you, it's important to acknowledge it and Like they said, make sure, make a plan to leave. So there are so many tools and tactics that are readily available out there. And just know that you're not alone. If there's anything we've learned throughout this conversation, it's that this happens to a lot of different people. A lot of people are in these situations and you're not alone, even though it may feel that way. Yes, exactly, Kayla. I love that. You're not alone. Um, So just know if you at any time feel that you're in danger or you're a teenager and you feel that you're in immediate danger, obviously call 911, but you can also call um, an organization called Love is Respect. And their number is 866-331-9474. Or you can go to loveisrespect.org. There's also the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-SAFE. Or you can go to www.ndvh.org. And also, if you would like to report suspected trafficking, please call 866-347-2423. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great episode coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.